Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast and welcome to our Why Vegan series in celebration of World Vegan Month, which takes place every November. Each episode this month will focus on the different reasons to go vegan, including for the animals, for the planet and for your health. And today we're looking at the roots of the vegan movement, which is founded on animal rights. Molly and I will be discussing our journeys and how we feel about activism. And then in part two, I'm joined by gang member turned activist Joey Carbstrong. But before we get started, I just wanted to quickly let you know that we are now on Patreon. Um, Head to patreon.com forward slash Simply Vegan to join our community and access exclusive bonus content, regular newsletters and all that jazz. We'd love to have you on board and help us to keep producing your favourite vegan podcast every week. We thought we'd kick off this first episode by just recapping um, for any new listeners who Molly and I are to start with and just a bit about our vegan journey. So Molly, do you want to tell listeners um, about yourself? Hi, I'm Molly and I'm a (laughs) vegan. (laughs) Good, good start. Hi, yes, um, I am the digital executive for Vegan Food and Living and I have been a vegan for three, four years. Can't quite remember. I feel I'm going to tell people that it's four because then I seem more impressive, but I think it might be three. Yeah. I'll just round it up. I first went vegan because, um, I have eczema, quite severe eczema. And I was told that dairy is not only scary, but terrible for your skin and health and all of that stuff. So I thought let's go full I was gonna say full hog then, but not hog. Oh, yeah. Not hog. <laughs> and let's just go vegan. And I've not looked back since. I've been living my best life. I've got a bloody job out of it. Um, yeah. Happy and healthier than ever. It's amazing, isn't it? Like how how enjoyable it actually can be. Because it's mad. I feel like I, a new person. Or yeah. Like... Before I went vegan, I always thought of it as like really restrictive and really serious yeah. and everything else but it's it's been completely the opposite it's, it's been such a joyous exciting experience 
Um, well, I'll just introduce myself quickly for any any new listeners for World Vegan Month, um, <laughs> or indeed, you know, whenever you're listening. Um, I'm Holly Johnson, and I'm the editor of Vegan Food and Living magazine, and also obviously host of this podcast with the lovely yes. Molly. Um, I went <laughs> vegan again. I can't. I I've lost track. I think it's five and a half years. Oh, was it four and a half? I I, I think really, yours is like five. I'm pretty sure yours is five. I'm just going to, I'm just going to round it up for you. Yeah, I I love it when people know the exact date they went. I yeah. kind of have an idea. I need to look back at, through my pictures and, and actually like count the days. Cause I sort of know it was sort of, it was like February time, I think. And I yeah. literally, I literally went vegan overnight, met, um, I started doing a fitness class. The woman who ran it was vegan, like full on, like, ne- like whole food, plant-based. She was raw vegan for years. A machine. Um, yeah like full-on like no alcohol no caffeine you know like really really clean yeah Um, but she's a PT so you know you'd expect that wouldn't you yeah um but I've always yeah I'd always sort of been really into like healthy eating because if I ever ate anything bad like not bad but you know like high in fat or sugar or whatever I would just feel horrible it just didn't make me feel good so I always loved eating you know, really like nutritious meals and stuff. And whenever I had meat, I'd just sort of pick at it and be like, ooh, you know, gross. Or I'd never want to cut up the chicken or anything like that. Yeah. Um, But I thought, you know, I always thought vegan was really extreme and only for sort of like, you know, I, I don't know, just just not for me. I I could never do that. And, you know, I remember my daughter reminding me that I once held the view that um, it was, you know, really bad to bring your child up as a vegan, which like... It's 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 strange looking back, isn't it? And I think there's so many preconceptions of what a vegan is and like a vegan's attitude and a character and all of this stuff. And actually, when you peel all of that like stigma back, it's a lot of learning. It's mm-hmm. created it's creativity because you're learning about um you're get sorry you're getting creative making all of these like fresh meals and you're learning about different ingredients you're also learning about you know the ethics of it all and how you're impacting the environment and all of this stuff so it's actually quite um an eye-opening experience and as you say it kind of it's it may seem a little bit daunting just like oh my god um I've got all of this stuff to change about my life but it hooks you in, I think. And you're just like, I want to, I want to do more. I want to learn more. I want to eat more. I want to try new things. And I think that's like the part that really excites me. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you, if you can sort of connect on, you know, with groups on Facebook or find a friend, you know, anything like that, it really helps, doesn't it? Because you're just kind of, you can get excited about it together. But yeah, I just, I just found, you know, I've just found my joy in life, like eating all this amazing, colourful food. It was like, wow, I didn't need that meat in there. Yeah. Learning all about, you know, protein is, you know, you don't have to have an animal protein. There's protein in, you know, beans and, and everything. So yeah, that was, that was amazing revelation for me. And then, you know, I just felt great. I had more energy everyone was like giving me compliments saying oh you look really well and you know yeah. and I'd be like I've got vegan you know and I, I was sort of <laughs> I did that whole thing where you get a bit over enthusiastic and tell everybody and they're like oh god here she comes but yeah but I think you know <laughs> what allow it you're happy you know people would rather you be that like that than be miserable and down and you know not feeling 
good in your own skin. And I think, what is the issue with that? Unless you're being like patronizing. I think I was just overexcited to share all these facts that I had. And, and you know, I think you have to remember that not everyone's ready to hear them. You know, like they might not want to know. Um, I or mean, I even want... like understand as well. Not I, Again, I don't mean that in like a patronizing way, but there's a lot of things that unless you actually delve into it, you don't know, you know, the truth behind like the dairy industry, the meat industry, all of this stuff, like, you know, fashion, skincare, all of these things like wine, for God's sake. Like there's so much stuff that we just, unless you actually do the research yourself, you don't know about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that could be hard for people to take on, I think. Yes, it's definitely a journey. And um, well, to, we're going to kind of go through during this series all the reasons why you might want to go vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's not just for people who are new to veganism. There's going to be loads in there for people who have been vegan for, you know, six months, a year or, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Um, so this episode, we're going to focus on going vegan for the animals. Like its roots are in um, animal welfare um, yeah. back in the sort of 40s, I think it was, wasn't it? And it was very much focused on kind of a lifestyle and a diet that didn't cause animals harm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, since then, we we know so much more. There's been so many studies done that we, you know, we now know that it's really, really good for your health. And it's, yeah. you know, obviously back then they weren't particularly worried about the, you know, the planet and climate change. And now we know that, you know, <laughs> it's really good for the planet. So there's so many more reasons now. But I think the fundamental kind of, um, you know, vegan movement comes from that desire to prevent animal suffering yeah I agree I think like there are so many cultures that have been eating like plant-based for you know centuries and as you say it wasn't necessary it wasn't called veganism it was just they were eating they weren't eating meat and dairy or eggs and I think it came down to you know what they could they had access to and what they could afford in the last century, it's taken on this new um, role. And as you say, with animal welfare as the priority. Yeah, I mean, just some facts about animal agriculture. So more than 80% of pigs have pneumonia when they are killed. I didn't even know that. That's just, yeah, awful. I mean, there's a, if you want to listen to more about that um scroll back through the episodes probably quite far actually um dr alice broth was an ex-pig pig vet who um has been in numerous films now um she's now an activist and yeah she she uh she saw some of the horrible things that went on um in the pig industry she was really um, insightful yeah she's brilliant um the chicken we consume today contains 220 percent more fat than in the 1950s i mean you know, these poor chickens are being bred in this way to kind of, you know, grow so quickly that they can't even support their own weight. It's just exactly, horrible. Yeah. Um, 50 billion farm animals around the world are raised for consumption every year. 50 billion. I mean, God, that is... That's, that... You can't even imagine that number. Like, I, Whenever I see like the figure billion, I... I don't think people understand how much that is. No, like it, so you just can't, can you? You can't get a measure no. of that. 
but we're so used to seeing the word billion that it's just like oh it's just a billion but it's not it's masses obviously but it's so grand and that's horrifying to hear that number yeah and there's uh, there's around 800 mega farms in the UK alone and these are you know these are sort of farming animals on a on a industrial scale I mean I don't even think you can call it farming and yeah the suffering is just it's just horrible and you know please if you are new to this go and kind of just look into it a little bit read up on it because um it's just yeah it's just something that we need to end I mean there's so obviously that you've got all the environmental issues as well around that the pollution Mm -hmm. and you know the the emissions but um the the actual animal suffering is just yeah it doesn't doesn't bear thinking about and um you know when we uh, get to the interview uh, later with Joey Carbstrong we'll touch on that more I think a lot of people do kind of go vegan for sort of health reasons or environmental reasons these days don't they but then you kind of once you start looking into it then yeah. I think you do really sort of realize how much that it is about the animals as well yeah because it, it's just it, it changes doesn't it like it changes your Obviously, you always had that empathy there. But I think both of us, we um, probably both went vegan for health reasons. But I know that we now both definitely are like the the care and responsibility for like the animals is now probably overtaken that health concern. Yeah, you know? definitely. Because you just you just learn about what goes on and, and how... You know, they don't, this is another thing that Joey touches on later. Um, you know, animals don't have, like when you say animal rights, you don't really think about what that actually means, but yeah, they don't have rights like us. And just because they can't talk in the same way that we can and defend themselves, that shouldn't yeah. mean that we can just do whatever we want to them. Exactly. It's just complete, like, power and control and it's it it all kind of like comes into that and I think as well when you sort of discuss like oh why are you vegan um I think they all kind of like link especially sort of if you're coming at it from a I'm vegan for the animals it's you know animals are treated in a poor condition and you know as you say the production of it all leads to high emissions and um you know the the food that is grown to feed the animals then causes deforestation and you know water shortages and stuff like that so that touches on the environment and then also these animals are being fed you know excess um like medicines and stuff like that and then that then goes into the food that we eat and then that goes touches on yeah. the health section do you know what i mean it kind of all links like all the reasons come together um they do I never really thought about it like that before but yeah it's it's us messing with nature and messing it messing with it on a a, you know an unbelievable scale Uh, it's I mean you know it can feel quite overwhelming and a bit well very depressing at times I think it's really important just to you know now and again just remind yourself of why why you're doing it and also why you care so much and, um, you know, just think about ways in which you can, you know, sort of encourage others to to perhaps 
you know, even if they just cutting down meat intake, obviously we all want to see a vegan world, but it's not necessarily realistic. Um, but it's, yeah, it's finding a way to do it, isn't it? Without be like ramming it down people's throat and saying, well, you know yeah. what happens to dairy calves? They're taken away from their mums and their mums cry and then we steal their milk and it's like, oh, what? <laughs> and then we artificially inseminate them again. Yes, like, yes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a hard, it's brutal. And the facts are brutal. And as you say, in an ideal world, everyone would be vegan. But in a realistic world, not everyone is going to be. But there are still actions that you can take to, as you say, reduce people's intake. For me, I'm a big cook, love food, love everything. And I, since becoming vegan, I think my, like, the thing that I love most is just creating foods and flavors just from veg that you know you wouldn't necessarily do if you were you know using meat and eggs and cheese and all of that stuff you have to you're forced to get creative and yeah try all these new things and try vegetables and flavorings that you wouldn't necessarily do um and that's my favorite like form of activism can we say <laughs> that, like you know feeding showing people how versatile all of this food is and you know how easy it is to create flavors that you know you loved even when you were eating meat and you can still do that with a vegan diet it's Definitely. not hard you've just got to just get a bit creative and also that's a bit of therapy like me cooking generally has helped my mental health so much I just Aww. I go into the kitchen put a podcast on put tune on whatever maybe a glass of wine if it's the weekend or the week I don't care really um <laughs> not this month Molly we're on detox not this remember? month not this month yes oh my god yeah me and Holly are doing detox um and oh it just saves me it just gives me so much like light in my soul I love it and yeah. it's just it's made me such a happier and healthier person as well same I went here. off on a tangent then, sorry. No, I love it. I love it. It's true. Cooking is really good for your mental health. And, you know, sharing food with people and sharing that joy is such an yeah. amazing thing, especially in dark times like this when everything's doom and oh. gloom and, you know, the planet's dying and war and economic crisis and everything. I know. Like we need it piles on. And there is simple joys, you know, it's, it's, it really is just the simple joys that are just in your kitchen and yeah. a few vegetables, like, you know, making a lovely stew or a soup or a lovely pasta or just something, you know, that's just so hearty and it just, oh, I love yeah. it. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. I love just sitting down with my cookbooks because, you, you know, mm. over the years you can sort of collect them up, can't you? Like yeah. sometimes you can go into like, I don't know, the works or something and there'll be like a, you know, one that's a, a year old and it's a five yeah. quid or, I mean, obviously you can go online. There's so many recipes. Charityshops. Charity yeah, charity shops. My favorite. Go in there because you always get some um, bit like eccentric ones as well which I really like and they've got they're full of just random recipes that you know maybe not even necessarily vegan but you kind of with that knowledge of how to create different flavors you can adapt them and you can be like oh, okay I can swap this for this yeah. I, I can swap you know milk for cashew cream or, or cream for cashew cream even you know so that part I love yeah even like you know beef for mushrooms and yeah you know just think about the the texture that and sort of flavor that you want to create and think about ways that you can substitute that mm. yeah 
it's I think it brings you closer to the food as well and you definitely get you respect it a bit more I think definitely so I'm just going off talking about food I just love food so much (laughs) so do I and uh yeah we are recording at tea time so I think we're both a bit (laughs) but no I I just yeah I just love nothing more than you know surprising like um a friend or a family member with something that's vegan and they're just like oh my god this is really good and I just I know it, it makes me so happy and then I know that they go away and then tell other people and then it you know it just has that little ripple effect and you know um slowly you know people will be like oh well I might try and make that can you send me the recipe and and you know yeah, exactly parts, and that's all it takes it yeah. all it takes and it's sort of you know that first if they once had the mindset of vegan food lettuce blah 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 rabbit food whatever and then you show them this like really like meaty when I say meaty obviously I just mean like juicy and yeah like, texturous and fibrous like plate of food and they're like what and you're like yeah mushrooms. yeah you know I love that <laughs> me too oh well obviously Joey Carbstrong has you know he does have a different approach to things um but he's got he really has got a good heart and I really really enjoyed interviewing him and I hope hope our listeners will you know really connect with him as well because uh yeah he's he's sort of you know he's wanting to give back after yeah you know his sort of life of crime as it were and gangs and you know went to prison so it's a really fascinating story so um, I can't wait to listen to it yeah it's a good one and um next week we've got Max LaManna so that's going to be all about um you know environmental reasons to go vegan the environmental impact of um the agricultural industry versus you know a plant-based diet and yeah, he's going to be talking about, you know, how to um, cut back on food waste and some cooking tips and things like that. So exciting. Yes. Um, and don't forget, everybody, that we will be, Molly and I will be at uh, VegFest um, on the Sunday, the 13th at 1 p.m. Uh, doing a yes. talk. So make sure you are there. Grab your tickets. I think they're buy one, get one free at the moment. So you've got no excuse. And before... Um, before you listen to Joey, don't forget we're on Patreon. Yes, <laughs> we are finally on Patreon, and we need your support. So please head over there, patreon.com forward slash simply vegan, and become a patron. We'd love to have you as part of our community. We really, really do value you as a listener and would love to share more on, of your journey with you. Yes, you get loads of extra special perks, you get bonus content, uh, newsletter, health and nutrition tips, all the works. It's really exciting. So yeah, please do head over there and uh, take a look. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Joey Carbstrong to the podcast. He's an ex-gang member turned vegan activist whose content has had over 70 million views on Facebook and 28 million views on YouTube. Joey, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to see you. Now, many of our listeners will know who you are and may have heard you speak at events like Vegan Camp Out. Um, but for those who aren't familiar with your journey, how did you go from being in a gang and I think you were in prison, is that right? Yes. To yes. becoming this sort of incredible force for animals. 
Yeah, it's an interesting story and uh, it's a unique one. doesn't happen very often. A lot of people who get mixed up with the world I was mixed up with uh, either stay in that world, end up in prison or with a drug addiction or dead. So it is uh, quite unique to pull myself out of it. I think I had a, a series of events that uh, gave me opportunities to escape that gang world. And I was luckily enough, lucid enough to take action when I had those opportunities. But basically I, I, I just fell into the gang world through my um, environment circumstances, family circumstances, uh, no father in the house and um, just the area I was from and, you know, had a bit of a rough childhood and I looked for kind of uh, male figures to that, you know, to influence me and uh, probably from the wrong places and end up taking drugs and getting mixed up in drugs and then, you know, hanging out with street gangs and then it always uh, progresses into more higher levels of uh, crime and organized crime. And then before I knew it, I was in full-fledged organized crime gang. And uh, luckily for me, blessing in disguise, I got caught by the police uh, carrying a loaded firearm Wow! at the height of one of my, um, you know, just going berserk on drugs and just, just really like just not conscious of, what I was doing really. And uh, it, it was a blessing in disguise because uh, it could have been a lot worse. It could, something really bad could have happened. You know, I was just playing with fire really. Um, but it landed me on house arrest whilst on house arrest, I put on a lot of weight. Uh, you know, I was depressed, filled with trauma, uh, anxious, alcoholic. And uh, after putting on a substantial amount of weight, I was 115 kilograms I started looking for a diet to lose weight and that's how I come across the raw veganism, plant-based eating. It was uh, juicing actually, juice fasting. Wow. And I did the juice <laughs> fasting. Yeah, it was this guy, he was like a hippie dude. Um, his name's Dan the Man and he was doing a juice fasting and, you know, just talking about the power of plants basically. And uh, I did the juice fasting. I lost a lot of weight, but it, what it gave me is this mental clarity that I hadn't had before because uh, I was always eating meat, steak, bacon, eggs, oil, uh, drugs, alcohol, you know what I mean? My, I was yeah. just foggy and, uh, you know, but when I started drinking these green juices and that, I just had this like crazy clarity. And uh, basically it it planted a seed. It didn't change me completely. Change happens in like stages, but um, he he started talking about like when you eat animals, you take on the fear everything that animal went through in the slaughterhouse, they don't want to die, the cortisol and adrenaline that happens to everyone before they get shot, killed, you know. It just started like playing with my head a bit because like I seen karma happening in the gang world, like bad things would come back around and get you. And uh, in the gang world, usually like people that you have altercations with are kind of like in that, you know, world there. It's like them versus you. It's kind of a it's almost like a mutual agreement of war in that world. <laughs> but uh, the animals were very innocent beings. They didn't do anything wrong, you know, so it kind of played on my mind and it stayed with me. And uh, I, when I got sentenced to prison, I actually didn't have access to drugs and become sober. And part of that sobriety was starting to analyze my life from a new sober perspective, basically. And uh, I started to see the gang world for way differently. I've seen um, jail, prison really differently like i just seen people doing like 20 years like for like one stupid mistake mm. and i'd looked at my mistakes and i was like well 
you know, very easily could have landed myself in there for a very, very large, long stint in prison. And by the time I would have woken up five years into that, I would have had 15 years left and been like, what have I done? Yeah. So basically started look at my, looking at my life like that. And um, when I got released from prison, I, I basically uh, had a conversation with my mum about her smoking cigarettes. And um, she kind of said, look in your own backyard. And that's when I reflected about eating animals more the hypocrisy between me eating a cow, but saying, save the whales. It was at that moment that I like reflected and thought, you know what, I'm asking my mum to, to better herself, but I haven't even bettered myself. And I've put her through hell for the last 12 years. And it was like in that moment that I decided to, to go vegan and I went vegan the next day and I've been vegan ever since. And it progressed into me being an activist and the rest is kind of history. That's amazing. I mean, I, I really sort of that story with, you know, your mum really resonates with me because I remember when I first went vegan and I was suddenly like preaching. I was like, mum, mum, listen to this. Yeah. She's kind of like, uh, back off. But yeah. I've, ma- I've managed to get her to go veggie. So I'm halfway there. But um, yeah, an incredible story. I mean, give us an example of some of the things that you do. So I am actually like a multifaceted activist and advocate. I do a lot of things. Um, what I tried to do, what I, when I first become an uh, activism was a natural progression of me seeing a massive issue in the world and wanting to do something about it. I was going to become like a, a counsellor for misled youth, pe- uh, kids on drugs or people in gangs, helping people with mental health issues, things like this. Um, because I was sober and I thought maybe I could help. Yeah, it seems more of a natural progression, doesn't it? Doing something. Like yeah, that. yeah, of course. I was thought maybe I could inspire people to 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 get out of that life. But then, like once I witnessed what was going on to the animals, um, little baby birds suffering and pigs in gas chambers and uh, cows in knockbox struggling to escape, and you know, no mercy for these animals, and I realized that they were the defenseless beings that couldn't speak for themselves and they didn't have any rights at all. They didn't even have a right to their own life, you know, and and no one was really from, I didn't realize there's this whole movement going on (laughs) back then, but like from my perspective, I didn't see anyone talking about it for where I was in my neighborhood. And um, I thought it was such an injustice and it made me so angry. And that was, that was it then. That was what, that was what I was going to do. And I just needed a platform to do it on. And then I just started to like, I was very terrified to get on social media actually because, which is why I have a, a different last name. It's Carbstrong, but my name is Armstrong. And at the time I had just left the, the gangs that I left weren't street gangs. They were very uh, serious organized crime gangs. And, you know, there was a, it's a very dangerous world. It's not, there's a lot of things people don't know about that world, but it is very incredibly dangerous. Um, you can get killed. You can get, uh, you can get put in hospital, broken legs. You can get left out into the bush. No one will find you, you know. So when I come online, I was actually afraid that I might red light like myself yeah. and everyone knows what I'm doing and where I am. I was trying to keep a low profile. So I changed my name, Joey Carbstrong, but I, I, did my, I made my first video because I felt it was more important that I leave a positive mark on the world after what I'd, what I'd spent my life doing, you know. Mm. And that was it. Like at the start, no one really followed me. There was a couple of people in there and I started mixing with the vegan crowd and da-da-da-da-da. And then I just kept going and going and going. And I realized I had more to say. And then I realized that this was a bit of a battle. 
and I just kept going, you know, and I didn't give up. And, and uh, it was social media really that was the platform to spread the message because that's how you reach a large amount of people um, with a with a less sort of less energy. I didn't really answer your question though. You said, what types <laughs> of things do I do? And I started to go. To- <laughs> that's fine. I mean, I know you do. I mean, you sort of visit slaughterhouses and things like that. Do you do any like undercover <clears throat> stuff or is it more like sort of slaughterhouse vigils and things like that? Oh yeah, so ba- yeah, basically, yeah. I, I like to be where the animals are. So, like uh, the Save Movement, I started working with the like going to the vigils that the Save Movement were holding, like in two thousand and seventeen, two thousand eighteen. Not so so much uh, anymore, although I still will. Um, but I do a lot of outreach on the streets. I sh- I film my outreach so that more people can see that conversation. I don't like to just have a conversation with one person and no one else learns from it. Um, I started filming my outreach back in 2015 uh, before there was these groups filming and basically I was the first um, to shoot my outreach on and put it on YouTube. And um, I started an interview series called Joey versus the public back then. This was way before there was any of this type of content online where I do the Socratic method and just ask people questions and help them lead to their own conclusion. But uh, yes, uh, later, later on like i have been i have been in farms like in 2018 and stuff but i mean um from 2021 i started to get more into investigations and uh, did a series called uncovered um where we would go into like uh, factory farms and i've done a couple of slaughterhouse investigations and things like that but mainly like people would know me i've got over 200 million views now on social media um i've been on the uh, I've been nearly in every single newspaper in the UK. I've been on uh, TV in the UK and uh, TV in Australia. I've been in a BBC series called uh, Veganville. So uh, I'm quite well known for speaking this truth uh, for the animals. And I've always had a strong animal message throughout the way. But yeah, the, I, I do. Being an act- activist these days is multifaceted. It's all online. I'm sitting in front of a computer a lot of the time, directing edits you know, organizing, traveling, you know, shooting. It's, it's, you know, crawling around in farms. It's just everything, do everything all the time. Cooking shows sometimes, you know. Okay. (laughs) Do you think, so, I mean, a lot of the language you use is quite provocative, isn't it? I know I I watched the clip of you on this morning and you were kind of on the sofa with um, Phil and Holly and some farmers and, um, the, the, some of the language is kind of rape and murder and things like that. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think that kind of activism sort of works, or do you think it kind of turns people off? Well, I don't have the data on that particular thing. What I do know, though, is that if we are an animal rights movement and we're asking non-human animals to have basic fundamental rights meaning that you don't have the right to enslave them and kill them. You don't have the right to sexually violate them, right? Us as humans have those basic fundamental rights. When we, when we violate human beings, we have words for that already. Mm. Now, what people are asking of me is to use different words to describe what happens to animals, which are like what the industry use, which are euphemisms like artificial insemination or, uh, humane slaughter or yeah. I don't know, you name it. But they're the they're the words that make the industry and the public comfortable. 
You know, they don't want me out here saying dairy cows are raped against their will. They don't want me to say uh, pigs are murdered in gas chambers. That's that's what makes because otherwise the, the implication of that is that they're murderers. Yeah. The implication of that is that the dairy farmers are actually raping these cows. Yeah. So whether or not your question is whether or not is effective, I think the truth is effective. So if you're if you have a message, you better damn well make sure it's true and you've got evidence to back it up. Mm. And we've got thousands of hours of evidence. And here's a photograph, photographic evidence of them doing this act. So what I ask people to do is I'm like, oh, it's not murder, is it? So just just put yourself in place of the cow in the knock box. What is it for you? Yeah. Uh, it's murder for you. It's not murder for the cow, though, even though we know a cow is a sentient conscious being having their own individual experience. And when you rob their individual experience from them against their will, you expect me to say that's not murder. Even though if they want to bring out the de- dictionary, we've got definitions that apply to animals. They want to say, oh, the definition is a is a, just human on human. It's a, it's a cr- criminal offense murder. No, we've got plenty of definitions that apply to animals as well. But uh, I think it's because it's full frontal, it's like, bang, it's in your face. Yeah. They don't want that to be true, that human no. beings are actually murdering, mass murdering animals. They want, they want it to be, no, they're just, we're humanely slaughtering them, we're giving them a good life, and it's the food <laughs> chain. That's what they want to hear, you know what I mean? So, yeah, whether or not it's effective, well, I'll tell you what now, it got me on TV, it got me on the radio, it got me all over the internet, it's got me 200 million views speaking the truth. Um, if I was not so... Um, full on, maybe it wouldn't have spurred me into the media. Very maybe true. it would. Maybe people would just not take me seriously because I, maybe I'm not taking the issue seriously enough. And if you if you don't if you don't look like you're taking the issue seriously enough as an animal activist, then why would they take the animals' plight yeah. seriously? If you as an advocate aren't even representing their plight accurately. Yeah, it's it's such a difficult one, isn't it? Going like going back to my mum, I I sort of say things, you know, like use some of this language sometimes. <laughs> She's so horrified. She wants to sort of hide away from it. And I think that's the attitude of a lot of people. Even myself, when I see activists, um, when I'm out shopping or anything, even as a vegan of sort of five or six years and someone who cares deeply about, you know, all these issues, I do want to run away because I just I'm I'm scared to see these things, the footage, and it's it's quite traumatizing. Mm. Um, I think there's sort of seems to be two schools of thought because I've had um Juliet Galatly from Viva on the podcast before, and she very much feels that vegans should watch, you know, documentaries that they've produced like Hogwood and you know, other things that aren't comfortable viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've spoken to Dr. Melanie Joy, who believes that there's a lot of trauma in the vegan movement and we shouldn't force ourselves to kind of you know view these things um and sort of uh-huh. upset ourselves further so yeah i mean mm-hmm. how you know what do you think do you think us vegans should be should be seeing what actually goes on or well there's a very big difference between dr melanie joy and juliet juliet is an investigator. She's on the ground. She's witnessing the animals uh, going through what they're going through. She's been in, having to get vet care and dairy farms to get cows put down there on the spot. She's seen a lot of horrible things, mm. and um, so she's on the front lines now. Uh, Doctor Melanie, I'm not sure of that. She's she 
she's a psychologist i'm pretty sure she, she yeah. works in, in yeah so she's pretty much uh she's probably a lot very very disconnected from that herself now i do think there for me right this is this is a very important discussion and i think there is nuance to it i don't think it's black and white yeah i do believe that there is a problem within the vegan movement of people becoming too disconnected from the issue and then they become apologetic and then they they think that other vegans are extreme okay and then they say well joey <laughs> it's not that bad like you're being hyperbolic you know <laughs> you need to tone it down you're pushing people away you're making me feel uncomfortable i don't want to go hanging around with my friends and you're saying all this stuff and you know but the 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 vegans who get it get it and they're like yeah it's much more worse than what your words can describe because they've seen it and they've witnessed it what's going on to the animals i do think that if you're going to um if you're going to be an activist, right? Because there's a difference between a vegan and an activist. Mm. But if you want to help create change, you should understand the issue that you're speaking about. And you need to witness to some extent what's going on so that you understand it. There are some forms of um, graphic um, slaughterhouse footage that you really, I, I really don't see the utility in you watching it there are some things that are just so horrific and just gratuitous that i don't see why you would need to know that i've seen some things that just have they've traumatized me in the moment you know but there are certain practices that are very common that I think it's important for you to know about if you're going to be speaking for the animals mm. and also if you're going to stay vegan and also if you're going to be vegan for the right reasons. Um, veganism is a, it's, it's a movement based on animals and, it, and I know the movement's so big and it's so multifaceted now that people are going, well, it's about the climate, it's about this, it's about that. Well, no, not, not, not really fun- fundamentally, no. It is an animal rights movement and there just happens to be really good other reasons to eat plant-based, which is, which is really fantastic, which we yeah. should not ignore those issues. But the same token, if I gave everyone the advice, don't watch what happens to animals, it's going to traumatize you. Well, that's not nuanced at all. That's a one, that's a that's black and white. That's saying, you know, there's, there's too much, there's vegans traumatizing them. Well, no, <laughs> not everyone is going to be so traumatized that they, they are, they're so help feel so helpless that they're going to be stay at home with PTSD. That's just not not what's going to happen. A lot of the time, for the for the for most people who are who are sleeping well, who don't have a history of mental health issues, who um, are eating well and they're pretty stable in their lives, if they see what's happening to animals, it's going to anger them and motivate them into becoming an activist and seeing the the urgency in becoming an activist and understanding the plight of the animals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so. Although that self care is important, I think there is a little bit too much cushy, cushy cushioning ourselves from reality to the point where you're going to be such a fragile person that you're not going to be able to do anything anyway. Now, the the reason there's nuance is because there's certain people who would do them. It would do them much better if they didn't see even some factory farm footage because of because you've got to know yourself. And they would do really good. And, and let's just say they've seen it before. They it 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 really messes them up to us to another degree. They don't need to be motiv- motivated further. Yeah, they're not turning all apologetic and beginning to like lose 
their principles and and go against other activists by going, oh no, that's you're too extreme, you know, you're too extreme. They're not that type of person because they're they're the people I'd recommend to remember what the animals are going through. Go watch it because you know you're falling too far the other way now. Yeah. Um, but the people who are, are motivated and aren't going to budge on their principles, but it really does, it just affects their work. They're, they're and they're doing some stuff for the animals. They do really good office work. They can organize. Uh, they're, they're, they're in the, which are super important. Admin things, organizing, admin, all of these things are so important, right? For to to help facilitate uh, things in the movement. If it if it, if it messes you up that much, you can't do that. And you've worked yourself out. You know that. Then 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 don't. But a lot of people need to see this because we need the mo- a movement full of passionate activists. So I don't think. There is a one size fits all for everyone, but I do think that for the most part, if you're going to be an activist, you need to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you've described me in terms of like, you know, I, <laughs> if I see, obviously I've seen quite a lot of, you know, footage and things and it does really mess with my head and I'll be waking up in the night going, <gasps> But, you know, it's, um, yeah, we're all different. And um, I do agree. It does motivate you to kind of get out there and be like, we need change right now. You know, animals are going through this. Um, do you think we'll really sort of ever see a vegan world? I mean, obviously, we all want that. But do you think it's, do you think it's realistic? So, first of all, we have to understand what a vegan world looks like, Right. A vegan world means that everyone understands the philosophy of not exploiting being cruel to animals and is also practicing that no matter their situation, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking like the world is a very vast place. There's many different languages and cultures and circumstances. And there's a lot of like untouched, almost untouched places in the Amazon and, you know, you've got like deserts and you've got just vast, vast, vast uh, continents full of different people, um, villages. A vegan world would mean that everyone there is <laughs> practicing veganism and uh, no animals being exploited, hunted, you know, fished. So is it possible? Of course it's possible, but is it probable not really. <laughs> the probability is very low. So what is more probable? Because the reason I say that is because like let's like we we almost have universal human rights generally like the UN might jump in if they see you know if the, like slavery is like human slavery happens around the world. Let's face it there's sex slavery, there's all types kinds of slavery happening around the world, but Generally, if it's if it's found out about, there will be some type of intervention that can happen. Um, not always, but it, it generally is against universal human rights. Okay, but we have human rights in most places. Like, let's just we could just speak about the West. We have human rights in the West. Okay, Australia, UK, America. There's still some things that go wrong. Okay, but there's still murder. In the red, there's still people who don't respect that. There's still people who who rape and kill and go on mass shootings and do all these horrible things. So even though we have human rights, we haven't we don't have people who are practicing human rights veganism, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So look at it in the human context. We don't even we're not even 
quote unquote vegan to each other, even though yeah. we have human rights. So if we haven't even learned to get there with each other, what makes you think we're going to get there with the chickens? <laughs> so what I will say is more probable is we, we would get animal rights. Okay. Animal rights, not like, so let's just say, and it would happen in different areas. Like it might happen. Let's just say we, we got animal rights in the UK for pigs animal rights for pigs and let's just say it extended to chickens and extended to cows right and then and then based on those animal rights you could no longer legally um exploit them and kill them because they have fundamental fundamental rights not the right to drive a car just the right not to <laughs> you know to their own bodily autonomy just to be yeah. left alone that their interests are, are are respected and not for financial interest they're not commodities you know they're not enslaved we could get that in the in England, even though there might be still underground black market meat producers, you know, slaughtering animals, it would be against the law, though. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then maybe it, it, maybe we get it in Australia. Maybe we get it uh, someplace in Europe. Maybe we get it someplace in Africa. Maybe we, you know, in in different areas, it happens. And you know, kind of the way that gay rights happen, and you know, civil rights happen, and women's rights happen, it happens here and there. It doesn't happen all at once like that because that's not how the world works. But we still have people who you know, breach the rights of all these humans mm. all around the, and children all around the world, but it's against the law. So what I'm saying, a vegan world, it means <laughs> what a vegan world actually means um, is veganism practiced, no exploitation, cruelty, killing of animals anywhere. Um, so I just don't think that that's very probable, but animal rights though, that's a, that's a battle we can win, even though that even that's uh a hard battle, but I think yeah. it's more realistic to fight for. So, I love that idea. I really like that idea. <laughs> we need to really all champion that. The pigs and the cows just having, you know, yeah, rights of their own. I mean, you don't, you forget, don't you? People say, oh, you know, animal rights, and you're thinking, yeah, stop them being killed. But actually, when you sort of think about it, like you've just said, it's yes, they need, they should have rights of their own. They're sentient beings. Yeah. And if you breach those rights, you you have some type of punishment. Just yeah. like if I were to have, you know, in, people in my basement enslaving them, making them do things for me, and then killing them. You yeah. know what I mean? I would go to prison. Yeah. That's how it should work for non-human animals as well. Um, and there's still going to be people who do this to the animals or to people, but there should be rights and laws protecting them. That's what I'm saying. That's more realistic because yeah. human beings are callous, cold, and violent. We're also compassionate, kind, and caring and loving, but we're also callous, cold, and violent, greedy. And uh, we go a very sickening, disturbed race, okay? And we're a very uh, amazing, in intelligent, compassionate race as well. But I'm just saying you, you, you can't, to say that we can, we, can, we can solve that, you know, just in a few hundred years, mm. I, just don't, I just don't know about that. But, no. yeah. Do you, um, do you get lots of trolls online, like farmers and people that eat meat and things like that? I mean, I'm guessing you're the sort of person who wouldn't bat an eyelid at things like that. You're not going to be <laughs> worried about getting all that backlash. Yeah. So when I first, so it's been a journey for me, like obviously like I had uh, from my past, I had PTSD from the gang world complex PTSD. I had um, anxiety, a social, you know, issues, uh, social anxiety and things like that coming out of 
addiction and things like that. And when I got online, I wasn't used to people saying things to me like that. Where I come from, if you say something like that, then it's going to be on, you know what I mean? So I wasn't used to just letting people talk to me yeah, like that yeah. um, unless they were a lot more vicious and violent than I was. So yeah. <laughs> um, it was just like just random people just just using me as a hitting post. I was like, <laughs> so at first I was like, yeah, come on. Then. Really and triggered then I, by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, how dare you disrespect <laughs> me? Do you know how I'm? And obviously no one knew who I was because I come from some neighborhood in northern suburbs of bloody Salisbury. <laughs> Who's going to know who I am? But um, but basically um, after a while I realized like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Go to war with every single person who messages yeah. you? Like who cares? After a while I had to like turn off my, notif- I learned to turn off my notifications, but so I started getting bigger and bigger in 2017. I went to England and and at the start of 2018, I just blew up all over the media. Blew up. They were like, who's this controversial gang member saying all these controversial words, um, you know, to describe what happens to animals and let's go through all his criminal history. Let's go through his entire Facebook. Let's find every single thing that he's ever said. Let's run him through the ringer. Let's call his whole family. Let's call his friends from oh seven God. years ago in Australia. The paparazzi were like just onto me. Let's make all these like smear pieces on him. Um, I started getting really paranoid. And then I started getting like all these, these this hate, death threats all the time, every single day, people saying, when I see you, you're gone. Like I uh, get emails, uh, death threats and violent threats all the time in my emails. Um, the farmers didn't like it too much that I was saying that, that what they're doing to the cows is rape. Obviously, they didn't like that. So they get people making yeah. stories up about me. Um, you know, people want to just uh, throw my my past of addiction in my face, calling me a junkie, calling me, you know, basically using the fact that I was in gangs to <laughs> to get away with whatever they wanted to do. Basically, yeah. now <laughs> so they say, "Well, you did this, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly." So, yeah, I've had it. I've had it years and years and years now. But at the start, the the thing that got to me the most at the start that I had to really learn about was that it was it was people in my own movement that I considered like that we're all a part of and that we're all in it for the same reasons and you know that we're all like yep speaking for the animals. And then I realized that it wasn't actually like that. It was it was uh you you had people who would focus on the animals and then you had people who were focused on you as a character and how you were advocating. And that's not, that's not good. That's not how I, you know, so I got the, the thing that, that brought me down a lot was that when I was becoming very well known that people, other, other vegans and that would be like, Oh, what are you doing? You're making us look bad. You're making the movement look bad. You're way too extreme and aggressive. You've done the animals bad. You, you know, so you know, it was a lot, it was a lot for me to go on like a radio station. There was 7 million people listening or whatever. And I thought that I've got to defend the animals here. I'm going to try my best. And I come out of it and I was like, wow, I just, I, I thought I did the animals justice. And I yeah. come on my social media and there'd be people like other vegans just, just ripping into me. Like, and I was like, what have I done wrong? Am I not, I, I must not be a good enough <laughs> activist. I must've let the animals down. I'm, so I got really down about that. So it wasn't, I was getting all this hay and all this efforts and all this, all the meat eaters, you know, all the, that, but then, then I'd get my own movement as well. And I was like, well, I'm, I feel alone right now. You know what I mean? So a lot, lot to deal yeah. with. Yeah. But you know, you deal with it. You have to deal with it. So I didn't give myself choices. I didn't say, well, oh, it's bad. It's hard. I'm going to stop. No, it was, you're going to do it anyway. So you got to be better deal with it because this yeah. just comes, I started to realize that I started to understand the psychology of people and and what what people's motivations were for saying that stuff they weren't there to help me they weren't saying hey man have you thought about this let me i really want to talk to you about this let's have a discussion about it and no it was trying to bring me down mm. it was it was the, the i could see the motivation it was way different it wasn't 
it wasn't trying to help me out or anything. So then I started to understand what motivates people to say these horrible things. And then I st- it started not affecting me. So I was like, oh yeah, well, I can read you like a book now. Yeah. So it doesn't affect me. And if that, that like you start, you start like becoming immune to it and you start just focusing on the mission, not, you're not, you're never completely immune to it, but you do build like a tolerance to it. And you, you have to like kind of let your ego, like my ego took multiple hits now, like I, I realize that, you know, you have to let people, if you're going to be online, you have to let people run, run you through a critical ringer. Otherwise you just can't be in that, that line of work. I, <laughs> I must admit, I was, I was terrified to interview you, but you are so lovely. I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> oh, thank I you. Think, you know, you're just so passionate and it's, it's amazing just to, yeah, just to hear you speak and, and, you know, just, it's very inspiring. And I think, you know, what you do is just amazing. Um, Just to finish off, if you could turn one person in the world vegan overnight, who would it be? It would be the person with the largest uh, impact uh, influence uh, following probably someone like um, the Pope. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's got a billion followers. Oh, wow. Someone someone like that. Um, Maybe... Um, God, maybe it would be like the Prophet Muhammad if I could go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like a billion <laughs> vegan Muslims, um, or like uh, maybe if they're like the leader of China and they could yeah. just bang eradicate because uh, 750 million pigs are killed every year in China, and China is starting to do these big multi story. Um, uh, I heard pig about that, it's hideous, yeah. Mm. So if there was like someone who there who could just click their fingers and phase it out, yeah. then that would be the type of person I would turn vegan, uh, someone with huge influence and huge power. Yeah. Not really the um, British Prime Minister. <laughs> Probably not. Definitely not. <laughs> Probably but we won't not. go into that anyway. No. <laughs> um, oh, thank you so much. You've been amazing. And um, thank you for everything you do, you know, for the vegan movement. Um, if people want to find out more about what you're doing are you at any events um this year or what have you got going on um looking to do something really big next year but we've been working 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 a lot so um i'll be out i'll be out on the ground a lot more next year um is all i can say i can't tell you too much but oh. just let you know that'll be like <laughs> a pretty big next year okay we'll keep an eye out thanks so much right. joey thank you very much for interviewing me appreciate it That's it from us this week. We'll be back next week discussing Vegan for the Planet with Max LaManna. In the meantime, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review or share this episode with a friend if you think someone might enjoy listening to what Joey had to say. And also don't forget to head over to Patreon and become a patron of the Simply Vegan podcast. We really appreciate your support to help us to keep going and producing your favourite vegan podcast every week. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. 
instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.